Hey there, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. Today is December 7th, and hopefully you know, but if you don't, I don't blame you. I blame the public school system that you probably were educated in, or the private school. Today is December 7th, which is the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. It is the 79th anniversary, and if my math on that is wrong, then you are definitely welcome to blame the public school system or just my own unmathematical mind. When I was in high school, I was in speech and debate for a few semesters. I never got to go to any of the competitions because they were all on Shabbat. So I participated for, I think it was actually two years, but then I realized that I was only going to the meetings, but not getting to bring any of my practicing to fruition. So I stopped going. But one of the speeches that I practiced was the speech that FDR gave the day which will live in infamy speech. And it's brief, but it's powerful. Times change. People speak differently today than they did 80 years ago. So it's not a condemnation of the way people speak today, but it certainly is interesting to read a presidential speech from 80 years ago. It's definitely interesting to read a presidential speech from several hundred years ago, or just the writings, the way that people wrote and spoke. It just, I mean, think of how Abraham Lincoln spoke and how President Trump speaks. And I like President Trump, but the eloquent, it's like poetry listening to Lincoln speak or, you know, reading what he wrote. Not always quite poetry with President Trump, but that's beside the point. The speech that FDR gave was very decisive. And of course, we have that phrase, the day which will live in infamy forever ingrained in our national consciousness. And it's a, it's just a powerful line. So I wanted to recognize this day, there are fewer and fewer people alive as time goes on who were alive then, but we should not forget that day. I was realizing that we can actually learn a lot from what we did forget about that day or how we've moved on and what lesson we can learn from Pearl Harbor and our relationship with the Japanese. So at the time, during World War II, the Japanese and we, the United States, were enemies. And in fact, the Japanese were pretty brutal. If you read about what they did in China, I recommend The Rape of Nanking, which is an incredible book, but also a very graphic, heart-wrenching book. So I recommend it because it's important to read history and know the depths of human depravity, but it's also heavy stuff. So read it in chunks, read it in daylight. But think about it, this was only, again, 80 years ago, or 79, I'm rounding a little bit, years ago that we and the Japanese were enemies. And now we're not. Though 80 years feels like a long time, probably to most of us who are considerably younger than 80, in terms of human history, 80 years is not a long time. And it's not like we just became allies today. So it's not even that it's been 80 years or 79 years since we were enemies with the Japanese, but it was actually less than that. And I just think that it's such a good lesson for all of us that if two countries who were literally at war with each other could become allies, and true allies, it's not just like there's a tepid peace, but actual allies, how much more so can we in, when it comes to interpersonal relationships, find forgiveness and not hold grudges against people and find a way to move on in our lives And remember, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. We remember Pearl Harbor. Every year there's memorials and it's the day which will live in infamy. I mean, that 
phrase is going to be with us for a very long time. We don't forget what happened. It, it was a tragedy. It hurt. I mean, it broke up our families. It killed people. It plunged us into war. We're not going to forget it. But those people, most of them are not alive anymore on either side. And it's different people now and things do change. And we have to allow people to change. If people are making an honest effort to become better people, to become, you know, if it's a friend who was, who did something lousy to us, but they're making an effort to change, then we also have to make an effort to forgive. And I'm sure there are instances where it's impossible to truly forgive and move on. I mean, there are things that people can do which are unforgivable. That's why we have the word, because there are things which are unforgivable. And in those cases, if anyone is in a situation where one has a family member or friend who has done something unforgivable, I cannot tell you how to act towards that person because thank God I don't have a situation like that in my own life. So I cannot understand the pain and the suffering that you might constantly be going through because of some what someone did. But I can say that if you can't forgive, try not to hold a grudge and try to move on. Because when we hold grudges and when we hold anger in our minds and in our hearts, often we end up hurting ourselves a lot more than we hurt the other person, especially if it's someone who we've cut out of our lives anyway. So we don't really have anything to do with them. But every time we think about that person, we just have this roiling, seething anger within us. We're the ones that are hurting. So I just thought that was an interesting lesson to be taken from Pearl Harbor on on moving on and and how clearly it's possible and how people can change and how certainly groups of people can change. I think this is very relevant to today's discussions on race, that yes, there was slavery. Well, I should say there was black plantation style slavery in the US. Unfortunately, there's still sex slavery in the US, but there's sex slavery throughout the world. But there was a very specific slavery in the US that directed towards black people. And that was bad. And that was a sin, a moral sin. But it's different people today. It's the descendants of the slave owners and the descendants of the slaves. And being a descendant of someone does not make you that person. Other than maybe your genes I mean, even a parent, right? People have parents who have done terrible things, but that doesn't mean the child is the same thing. And I think it's important. Again, we don't, we should talk about that part of American history, which we do, and recognize that it was awful. We should also recognize the incredible efforts that half of the country put into eliminating slavery. If we're going to harp on the slave owners, we must also harp on the abolitionists and the people who assisted in the Underground Railroad, people like Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote against it, and the people who fought in the Civil War. Those people also deserve our harping. But if we could forgive the Japanese, maybe also there can be some forgiveness and reconciliation between people of different races. I did not expect to get into race. I was really just going to talk about forgiveness and Pearl Harbor, because I have one other thing I wanted to talk about today, because it is a Monday. And as you know, Mondays is a day to talk about ethics and morals and how we can go into our week and then our lives and become a little bit better. I was thinking today about we're getting into the holiday season. Hanukkah starts December 10th, so that's super soon. Christmas, December 25th, as it tends to be. So probably lots of gift buying going on right now. 
probably more online shopping than usual, but hopefully some of you can still get to stores in person. I much prefer shopping in stores online. It's so hard, definitely for clothes for myself, but like, I like to hold things, you know, and to see it in the size. Cause when like online, if something says something's three centimeters or 10 inches, or I have no concept, I need to see things anyway. So I like to shop in person. And I also think giving gifts is a beautiful thing to do. I understand that Hanukkah and Christmas are not about giving gifts. And if your family tradition is to not give gifts because you celebrate the holidays differently, totally understood. I love giving people presents. I like finding just the right thing and seeing how excited my family and friends are when they unwrap something that is just so perfect. So, and people love getting gifts. So it's nice to be the one to give the gift because then you're giving someone the opportunity to get a gift and adults don't get to get gifts so often but adults still like getting gifts it's not just kids adults like it but adults have to pretend they don't because i don't know when we grow up we have to pretend we don't like unwrapping presents anymore but everyone likes being thought of and having something special that maybe they would want for themselves but they don't want to pay for so anyway, I love giving gifts. I also love getting gifts, full disclosure. Again, just because I'm an adult doesn't mean I don't like getting presents. So probably a lot of us are spending some time shopping right now. And I was reminded of a Jewish idea that says one should not go into a store and ask price of something if one does not intend to actually buy something there. We're all familiar with the idea of not stealing. Most of us probably think of stealing of someone's laptop bag. I can't take that or I can't go into a store and take something off the shelf without paying for it. We all think of that as stealing. But there are actually many things that can be stolen. We can steal someone's time. We can steal ideas. That's plagiarism. We can steal someone's mind. That's actually a specific thing in Judaism that one is not supposed to do, steal someone's mind. And a few of those things are wrapped up in this idea of not going into a store if you don't intend to buy. So think about it. If you walk into a store and a salesperson comes up to you and you start asking them a bunch of questions, but you know you're just going into browse, but you don't tell them, right? You're just like, oh yeah, I'm, how much is this thing? And can you tell me more about that? And that maybe that employee is with you for half an hour and then you walk out. That's a half an hour of the employee's time you've wasted. Half an hour of the employee's time that maybe he could have used helping another customer who actually was going to buy something. You're also wasting the employer's money because the employer pays the employee and for the employee's time and you wasted the time. You're also stealing the employee and or the employer's mind because they think they've got a sale, right? Like if you walk into Best Buy and you start talking about TVs and they think, oh, I'm gonna make a sale and maybe the salesperson gets commission, but you never intended to buy. If you go in fully intending to buy and then you don't, or you say, oh, I can't buy it today because I have my small car, I need the bigger car for the TV and you come back the next day, that's different. But if you go into a store knowing you're not gonna buy, or if you go in to price compare, but then know you're just going to go onto Amazon to buy it. You can't do it. It's wrong. It's theft of time and money and someone's mind. And if you aren't already fascinated by the Torah and by God and the morality that it demands of people, get your head in the game, kid, because it is so, think about it, like do not murder. That one is so big. We all like assume that religion should tell us not to murder because it seems so obvious, but that God is telling us how to be moral, even in situations like when we're shopping in a store, like how amazing amazing is that? That you shouldn't waste someone's time. That like you're, you're stealing their time by wasting it. Or you're stealing their mind by making them think that they have a sale that they don't actually have. This is why it's very demanding to be a religious person because it's not just about dressing a certain way and eating certain foods. And those things are also hard and can be 
time-consuming and expensive. But to be so moral in all of the things one does takes a lot of work and a lot of thought. And and it's not, it's too bad because I think there's really this idea that religious people just are happy and they follow rules and it's sort of sunshine and roses, but it's really hard because there are situations that come up and you think, oh, like, you know, I, I'm going to buy this camera, like, I know I'm going to buy this camera online, but I just want to see it in person. So I'll just ask the salesperson at the store, but like, he's not going to know. And I'm only taking like five minutes of his time. Like we can justify anything. We are incredibly good at that as humans. We can justify any of our behaviors. Interestingly, we don't really justify other people's behaviors. Different story. We are so good at justifying our behaviors. And here's the Torah or the Talmud coming to tell us, no, that is wrong. Even when you're going into a store, if you know you're going in and you're going to waste that person's time, you can't do that because that's you saying that your time and your business is more important than theirs. And that's wrong. You can't do that. You're not more important. You must be moral, not just when you're dealing with God. God has demands between man and God, but you have to be moral in everything you do and everything you think about and everything you say. You have to think before you speak before you act because I, God, demands that you are a moral and ethical person. That's why I put you on this earth to be moral and ethical and to make the world more moral and ethical and more godly. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what to tell you, but it should blow your mind. And I think it should be encouraging that there's all of these thoughts and ideas and rules, regulations and provisos that exist in the world that can help us be more moral and ethical because that means you don't actually have to come up with it all on your own. And if you want to make the world a better place, there's kind of a blueprint for it and a way to do it, a way that you can act and also a way that you can influence other people to act. So you don't have to come up with it. You have to do the work, but you don't have to come up with it. So just something to think about as you are shopping this holiday season, you might be doing a majority of online shopping anyway, so it doesn't make a difference, but don't go into a store knowing that you're not going to buy something. If you go in honestly browsing, looking for something, and then you don't find it, you don't find it. But if you, but we shouldn't go in knowing because that's lying and it's, wasting someone's time and it's wrong. Also, write thank you notes. We should all write thank you notes. We don't do it anymore. We might send texts or call or we say thank you when we get a gift. We think that's enough, but just like people enjoy getting gifts, people like getting things in the mail and people like being thanked for what they've done. Write a thank you note to your grandma, to your uncle, to your friend, to your boss, coworker, whoever it is that gives you a gift. Write a thank you note. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it will make them feel good to know that A, you appreciated what they gave you and also that you took the time to write them a thank you note. And also you'll boost your own gratitude meter because you're focusing on being thankful and can never be too grateful. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day!